0: All right. We want to welcome everyone to a very special episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. We're coming to you live from the IAB Podcast Upfront 2020. And as you know, each episode, we talk with leaders in tech, business, and media. And today, we have a very special guest with Justina Amukwa. Justina, tell us about what you're doing at Endeavor today and welcome.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me. I am currently at Endeavor as the SVP of brand marketing. We are a portfolio company. We own over 50 companies in the events, sports, and entertainment space, in addition to a very prominent talent agency known as WME. And I sit essentially across all those companies from a marketing capacity, ensuring You know, we are maintaining brand standards, brand guidelines, that our message is on point, that our brand ethos is consistent, whether it be at the parent company level or at each individual company's level.
0: That's awesome. Justina, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from and tell us about your
1: family and tell us about where you were born and raised. Okay, let's go. Um, So mom and dad were born and raised in Nigeria and moved to Toronto, Canada, fairly young. I was born in Toronto and after university, I moved from Toronto to New York. I was in New York for about, I believe, 11 years. And then I moved most recently to Los Angeles and I've been here for about five years so, yeah, I mean, I've been been all over at one point uh, before moving to the U.S. when I was young. I lived in Nigeria for about two years. And, yeah, here I am.
0: That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up in all those different cities and then also your, your, your family heritage and, and your culture. You know, how did that impact your, your identity? And tell us a little bit about how that sort of impacted you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have Nigerian friends, I am sure they are super educated because culturally that's a thing. Interestingly enough for me, there were five options in terms of employment, doctor, lawyer, engineer, teacher. And if you didn't fall into specific categories, then you might've been wasting your life. And so I'm, I was probably a disappointment in that I didn't fit into one of those specific roles. But since I'm able to take care of myself and I'm doing fairly well for myself, I think uh, I'm okay. But from a cultural standpoint, education is definitely always, always talked about, strongly encouraged. And I would say just as a a general way of being, it's to strive for excellence. And, And so for me, it's the idea that you should never come in last. And that's not to say that you can't be in last place, but you should always be striving for better. Uh, So excellence is always what I've chased. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think for me, parents, that I I never felt less than. So I think that that has helped me in terms of navigating the world. My identity is shaped by my community and by my family And I don't look to outside sources to define who I am. So I think that that in the, in the current zeitgeist, in the current reckoning period, I feel very fortunate in that I've had a very strong upbringing. And so I'm very sure of who I'm and I don't look to anybody else to define me.
0: That's excellent. i want to touch a little bit on your career. You've worked with some amazing companies. You've worked with some amazing brands. How did you get started down your career
1: path? Well, let me tell you a little story. So (laughs) when I, in, in Toronto, in Ontario, the province of Ontario specifically, we had OAC, which translated to grade 13. So our high school year extended one additional year as a somewhat of a university or college prep and I was already working while I was in school and one day I got the bright idea that I wasn't going to go to university and so I didn't apply <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know the summer came around I was working and my mom was like mm, what's going on with you know applications shouldn't you be getting something back you shouldn't you've been accepted mm-hmm. I was like I You know, I kind of danced around and September came around and I was like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to school because I didn't apply. And uh, my mom said uh, some very choice words to me. I remember distinctly her calling into work and saying to her boss, hey, I won't be coming in today and I will not be coming in until my daughter's in school. And then at that point, we proceeded to go to all the schools, some that laughed because the process, you need to apply that window kind of passed. And, uh, we did this for about a week, was very adamant that I needed to go to school and that even if I didn't know what I wanted to be, that I needed to pick something and take it from there. So I actually did half a semester of community college while I got my life together. And before I went on to university, York university, shout out to York university. And yeah, I mean, for me, I think a lot of people actually struggle with, you know, who they want to be when they grow up. And while I am very grateful for my mother, uh, in terms of saying like, look, you don't have to actually know what it is that you want to, to be or know, you know, what specific path that you're going to take, you should at least immerse yourself in education. I never found a uh, school very difficult, which is, you know, I'm fortunate in, in that respect, but I focused on marketing and sociology in terms of my, my, my schooling. I had intended to be a lawyer because I wanted to impress my parents, but that didn't work out. <laughs> I flunked. Psychology in first year, I got a D, and so that didn't work. But I flourished in like marketing and and business and sociology, the study of people. So you know, took it from there, and I live to tell about it.
2: Yeah, that's right, Justin. I want to switch topics here for a little bit. I want to I want to talk a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also uh, a little bit about some of the social and and racial issues going on in, in our country right now. And as a brand marketer, I guess the first question I have for you is what role or what responsibility do brands have to play in terms of, again, some of the social, uh, racial issues that are going on today?
1: Yeah, that's a loaded question. I think it depends on the brand and it depends Mm -hmm. on, on what their ethos is. What you find is that there are some brands that feel pressured right now to say something I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for everybody feeling pressure at, at this point, because there are some of us who have felt pressure our entire lives. But I think that depending on what your level of authenticity is as a brand, it is important to acknowledge the world that we live in mm-hmm. for us to bring about change. And I think that a lot of brands are having their their feet held to the fire in terms of, I like your brand. I like your product. I like what you seemingly stand for, but what do you stand for when it comes to people, you know? And so each brand has to reflect on what values they want to evoke, right? And how Mm -hmm. they want people to truly be in touch with their brand. It's more than just a transaction these days. And so in that respect, that will shape how you respond and what you say and how you say it we just have to be very mindful that there's a litmus test for authenticity and there are a lot of brands being called to the carpet.
2: Yeah, definitely and and I think part of what you're saying there it's not only the the messaging right but it's also backing up what you're saying with actions is that is that accurate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, the the notion of being performative is real and present and you know I I challenge all brands that if you are putting up your black square, or you are hashtag BLM, that that reflects the values inside, right? It's one thing to say to the outside world, this is what we're doing. And this is what we stand for. But if you don't stand for that with your employees, then what you're saying is rather hollow. And so I think that people shouldn't take this as like, Oh, my God, we're in trouble. I mean, it, it is a point of awakening for all of us. And so it's like, mm-hmm. if you know better, do better if you've learned something, if there's something that you've just today become aware of, that's okay. Take the learnings and start to apply them to your business as opposed to feeling like, oh my God, everybody's looking at me. Yeah. Everybody's looking at everybody. We are all on display. We are all being called to the carpet. And it's a moment of introspection there. Like we we've gone through this or we go through this, whether it's talking about time's up or other, you know, things that, we accept it as commonplace or status quo. And as it relates to the conversations that we are now having openly about race, Mm. it should be a situation of like hiding, address it. We all know that it's broken.
2: Right, absolutely. And and I'm sure uh, along the way in your career as a black woman, you've faced either some level of unconscious bias if you will. And so I'm curious to know, how have you handled personal situations when when you've come across those challenges?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back again to my upbringing. For one, there's a lesson, and I talk about this often, I think in every public appearance I have, but I was taught very early that all fingers are not equal, right? But there's a function Mm -hmm. that each finger plays. And also, again, I never got my value from the outside world. I got my value from being at home. And like, I don't have bigger champions than my parents. Like my heart is full and my head is swelled. And so in that respect, in terms of unconscious bias, we had very direct conversations about how I would be seen in the world and how people would approach me. And that's not my problem. If, if somebody has an issue with my blackness, that's their issue. It's actually not mm. mine, so I don't take on other people's energy as it relates to how they feel about me. That's not to say that I haven't had challenges, and that's not to right. say that it's like, oh, I just brush it off my shoulder and I keep going. No, it's absolutely a challenge in my life. But that is, th- it, it's unfortunately the reality of the day America. Now it's getting better. And I'm also unafraid to have the conversation about race. I'm very comfortable in my blackness. Mm. Uh, I'm very comfortable in my womanness, and so i'm I'm not uh naive to what exists, whether it's being in a boardroom at Apple with twenty white men that's you know what i mean it's 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 what is, but I don't shrink or dim my light given those circumstances. People are gonna have to adjust.
2: Love it. Great, great advice. Great advice. So, you know, speaking of, of, you know, everything that's going on today, your years of experience being a, a brand marketer, what excites you about the future of marketing and brand marketing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Internet has been a great equalizer. I think. The level of creativity that you see on Twitter, or Instagram, I mean, like, honestly, I'm like, hire these people, like who just the, the, the <laughs> level of, of ideation and the way that you see essentially brands take off from non-employees. It could just be a, a, an individual who's created a meme and, and now you have something interesting. And so I think that it's raised the bar for the level of creativity that is coming out of brands, that it is okay not to be safe all the time have a little fun. You know what I mean? Let your hair down, like, you know, enjoy yourselves. And I think as it relates to what brands say and, and, and how they're engaging, as I spoke about earlier, there's a desire to understand the why and the how and the who. And so there is a lot more humanity as it relates to brands. And it's not this corporate facade of you know, perfection. It's like, that's what, that's what makes it interesting.
0: You know, uh, Justina, you mentioned, you know, some amazing companies that you've worked with global brands, global companies. How do you sort of make it all work? You know, we talk about sort of a work-life balance. Is there such a thing? How do you go about sort of managing all of that time?
1: Well, I think oftentimes when we talk about work-life balance is this notion of nine to five, which, I don't think exists really, yeah. and I think balance is just ba- life balance as opposed to work. It's just life, right? Work is a part of life, and so there are those who may not have children or may not have people that they need to care for, and they only have to care for themselves. So it allows them to dedicate more time to work, right? Whereas there are other people who have other responsibilities, and so they are required to juggle or, you know, apportion their time differently. And I think that we need to get outside of this one definition of what it means to have balance because people find their happiness in different places. And also we are all not the same. We're not married with a white picket fence and 2.5 children and a dog, right? So again, I think as we have these conversations, they need to be more individual and less like... You know, we we have to stop grouping people in, the, in what we consider the standard. The standards no longer exist.
0: I want to ask you about sort of mentors and uh, mentees. And, you know, what's that been like for you throughout your career? Have you had mentors or have you worked with other folks to sort of help them move along their career and, and deal with issues both at work and at home?
1: Absolutely. I am a very strong advocate for reaching back and pulling up. Because there are those who have done it for me, whether it's in a way that they know is is, is specific or they just poured into me in terms of their wisdom and their insight into this is how you navigate in a boardroom or here's what to expect when you get to this company or, you know, it's it's something as simple as like, well, when you go to this meeting, be sure that you have a question that you need to ask and that you've thought through or understanding the lay of the land, those little nuggets, what help you navigate through the world. And for me, any way that I'm able to do that for people I'm happy to do, I don't personally tend to establish a formal mentor mentee relationship, but I I strongly believe just from the feedback that I've been given that I, I do have those Mm -hmm. informal type of relationships whereby if anybody has a question in the organization, they come to me, they ask me, you know, and it might be a personal situation. It might be a situation related to work and their advancement in the workplace, you know, for family members. Absolutely. It's like, if I've charted a path, I I expect that I should be making it easier for you in terms of how you navigate, whether it's salary negotiation or just understanding what it's like to be a black woman in the workplace, you know, and in terms of how I've navigated friends and family pour into me. I mean the power of prayer. I have people who pray for me because some days it's hard. You know, I have people who look out for me and, 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 and send me job opportunities. I have a very good friend in Bozeman, St. John who has hired. And, you know, so people look out in many different ways. I have about five friends that work in HR. So they are happy to look over my resume or happy to tell me how to, you know, frame a conversation that I need to have in a workplace. So for me, I look to many people to guide and mentor me and it's not necessarily in a will you be my mentor we need to meet three times a week and you know i come with my list of questions you know it sometimes it's as simple as i don't know the tech industry you know what are the the top websites and blogs and podcasts that i should engage with and like that type of information where you don't necessarily know something is extremely valuable.
0: Absolutely. What are you reading to stay informed? How are you staying up to to date with everything? What are you consuming?
1: Yeah, I am definitely all up and through Black Twitter very strongly. I I like to stay very connected to my people. I like to have a pulse of what's going on. I watch the news sparingly these days as it feels more tabloid than actual news, but I will check out various websites, but I, I definitely have to filter information just for my own well-being, because sometimes it's an onslaught. I read a lot and I engage with different people, whether it's, well, when we were actually in the office, but even now in a virtual capacity, I make it a point to meet with people that I don't necessarily engage with on a daily basis to get an understanding of what it is they're working on, how we can better work together. You know, I stay very entrenched in tech news. I like to follow a lot of like MSNBC and MarketWatch just to get a sense of like what's going on in the world, different companies. I, I think it's important just, I like to, you know, look I mean, I, I Google everything just because mm. there, it's available, but just in terms yeah. of like what's happening from an innovation standpoint and like what people are, are watching, like, okay, pay attention to this. This is happening. This is a new phenomenon. I think it's important to be engaged with areas outside of the specific business that you're in so that your view is not myopic.
0: Great. Well, listen, thank you, Justina, for spending this time with us. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers. And thank you very much, IAB, for having us. Now, back to you.